What I like about that video is it goes farther than what we're going to go last week or this week. And I mean, we're just talking about loving your neighbors. And here they're talking about how Jesus said, love your enemies. I mean, just think about that for a minute. It's way beyond loving our neighbors. That God actually expects us to have the kind of love that could even love our enemies. And not even the people that annoy us, right? Not even our, our annoying neighbors, but our enemies. So if we're to love our enemies, could we love our neighbors as ourselves? So we live in our neighborhoods as a result of God placing us there with our neighbors. And where we live and who our neighbors are is by divine design. God put us where we are to be a neighbor to the people around us and for them to be neighbors to us. Last week I talked to you about how we moved out of downtown Rochester and moved to this uh, little town called Honeyoy, Honeyoy, New York. Well, after sixth grade, if you look up on the screen, after sixth grade we moved from Honeyoy and we moved about a 30-minute drive out to Avon. Not Avon, that's the perfume place, the town of Avon. There are nine Avons or Avons in America and I lived in one of them. And we were far away from the church that I had attended as a little elementary student that was just down the street, like three doors down, and I would no longer have access to that. And little did I know that my mom, who had been taking us mostly to church when I was in grade school, uh, she would stop going to church. That 30-minute drive got her far enough away. And back in 1975, with our economic conditions, 30-minute drive, it might as well, you know, change the oil and check the tires, kind of a drive back then for us. And we would not get back to that church. And actually, from age 39, my mom has not attended church to this day. That fall of 1975, my youngest sister started in kindergarten. And my mom took her out, you know, and put her on the bus. And, and at the end of the day, my mom was there to pick her up from the bus. And uh, she was waiting and, and my sister got off with this little girl that she had sitting on her lap. And she got off and then the, the bus driver had to pull her back on. Well, they thought they were gonna play together after school. And so then the crying ensued and, and this went on for, for three or four days in a row where my sister would want to take this little girl off the bus and they would cry and it would be a big scene until finally one day this little girl and her mom showed up at our front door and her mom said to my, my mom, hey, is, is this where Diane lives? And the little girl had showed her which house because she went home and carried on so much that the mom was finally like, well, let me just figure out who this is and maybe we could do a play date. They didn't call it back, that back then. Uh, so... Her, so she came in, and I, I'll never forget that day. Uh, I was standing over by the pantry, and she said to my mom, if you have teenagers, my husband and I um, have a youth group for teenagers if they want to attend. And my, my ears kind of perked up. And so from then on, they would get me to youth group from like the first or second week of seventh grade until I, could get, uh, until I could get a license. So the next slide, it actually shows where I lived and where the church was, and that was about a 15-minute drive, and I had no way of getting there. My parents weren't gonna take me there. Um, my dad was a great guy, but 
he wasn't trustworthy to come home after work, hardly on any day of the week. There was no way I was going to get there. So here's where this couple lived. They just lived down the street and then up around the corner, and they lived up in, uh, in the fields and then in the country. And they would drive down and then drive over, pick me up, and take me up to the church. And I, like I said, they did that until I had a driver's license and I could do it on my own. They were good neighbors and they picked up where we left off with Mrs. Bennett uh, in the previous town. What were the odds that my little sister and this woman's daughter would both be in kindergarten the same year would both be on the same bus and they would be right around the corner. I mean, the odds of those things happening, if we don't think that God puts us where we're at for such a time as this, for the people around us in our lives, we're just not really paying attention, right? We're just not paying attention because he does. He does. He makes us neighbors and he gives us neighbors and it goes both ways, I'm not sure where I'd be today if they weren't a good neighbor to me and took me to church all of those years. Now, there's two passages that we're gonna look at this morning that talk about neighbors and that talk about priority. Because remember, Jesus said the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And maybe, maybe that's one that we ought to try to be good at. So in, open your Bibles in Acts chapter 17. You know this passage. This is the passage where Paul, he's out on his missionary adventure and he's spreading the gospel. He's, he's growing up disciples and he's planting churches, but he's in Athens and he's in this city where they've got all kinds of idols. And he's walking around and he's kind of getting to know the culture. He's learning the place where he's at. And he sees all these hills and all these idols and these temples and all these gods that they worship. And he sees that one that says, this, this idol, this thing is to an unknown God. They just wanted to cover the one that they haven't heard of yet. And so he decided, in, and this wasn't a joke and he wasn't being smart. He just told them, hey, I'm from a ways away and I know this unknown God. And I'm gonna, do you want to know about him? I will tell you about him. They wanted to know about him. I mean, they had all kinds of gods. They weren't averse to hearing about more gods. He was just going to be just another god. And so he told them about him. And in verse 24, he says, I'm going to start in verse 24. This, the next two verses aren't on the screen. Let me read verse 24 and 25, and then we'll get to verse 26. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it, he's the Lord of heaven and earth. So he's kind of above all these other idols and all these other gods that you have. And he doesn't live in temples built by human hands. See, a lot of temples around here. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. <laughs> so he told them, you know, this unknown God, he's given you all life and breath and anything else. Verse 26, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. So God decided where people were going to live. He decided when they were going to live. And then it says this, he did this so that they would seek him 
and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Do you think maybe God puts you where you're at in your neighborhood so that the people around would, because you have God, you have the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God in you, which Paul calls the hope of glory, God in you, you're not far, you're not far from the people around you. And that God wouldn't be far from your neighbors as long as you were there with your neighbors. If you're in the community where your neighbors are, if their neighbors are far from God, God is not far from them because you're there. He did this so that they would seek him. Now, who knows how God figures out how to take into account all of the crazy decisions and the crazy deals we're gonna make on this planet and somehow give us free agency and free will to make decisions, but then he'll take the leftovers from that and he'll put his power and his will and his authority into it and he will redeem us to accomplish his will. I don't know how that all works. We'll probably never know. Even when we get to heaven, I'm not sure we'll know it all. I don't know how much we'll care at that point because we'll see God for who he is and that will explain everything, I think, to us. But somehow, he's put us in the 21st century in the United States. Have you ever thought, what if you were born, as I said in the first service, in 12th century France? Now, does any, now be serious now. Does anybody in here know was there a France in the 12th century? Does anybody know? Raise your hand. Oh, good. Then I'm not so stupid. I don't know if there was a France in the 12th century, but say the land of France in the 12th century, whatever it looked like, you could have been put there. You could have been put in, uh, in Africa or in Asia somewhere or in, in the, 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 uh, the, Rush, the Russian territory. You could have been put anywhere at any time in the past but God put us where we're at. He puts you at your job next to the person you work next to. He gave you the friends that you've kept since high school or college. He's divine design, right? Divine design. Divine appointments. Divine friendships. Divine acquaintances. God orchestrates these things. And the first time I ever taught from Acts, and every time since then, I have run into this verse, verse 26, that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Wow. God really is, God really has authority while at the same time, making us in his image and allowing us to make decisions and allowing us to choose and to do things. Now, what does this have to do with neighbors? Well, in order to love our actual neighbors, we must create space in our lives to build relationships with those who live near us and who live around us because it's not an accident that we live where we live. It's not an accident, but... The times we live in are different than previous times. When I was a kid, I knew all the people on my street. I, I knew the Jack Ears, I knew the, the, the Mastins, I knew the Schneiders, I knew the Whites. They all lived on my street. I probably haven't said their names in maybe decades, I, just off the top of my head. 
But I remember because I, I, I ran those yards and the backyards and the fields and the woods and I knew those people. Today, I have to admit to you, I don't know my neighbors very well at all. And, and honestly, that doesn't speak well for me. I'm not saying that because that's not a badge of honor. And, and, and going through this series, I, it needs to work on me. It needs to work in me. And it needs to work through me. Because I have to... In my life, if it's like yours, uh, our schedules, they're, they're busy, they're planned. I mean, they're private. I mean, this is, our, this is our schedule. I'm sorry, I can't see you then. I have a, I have a previous commitment, right? We're told to say that, to, to, guard, to guard the priorities in our lives. Um, our, our schedules are full. Uh, we're very individualistic, so this is my schedule, and it's, this is my life, and, and I've got to make the decisions for it. And, and they're often family-centered because we're so busy that the people that better get first dibs are our family, right? We don't want to give our families short shrift. We don't. And ultimately, there's no extra time. There's no extra time. Somehow, back in the day, before we had... Oh, I never took my phone out. That means I'm going to preach for 50 minutes. There we go. Before we had cell phones, somehow it seemed like there was more time. Before we had cable and I don't know, all the other things we have these days, it seems like we had more time. And I knew, I knew when we first got married, now this is in the, in the 80s, I had Danny on this side of me and I had Frank on this side of me. And I knew Danny and Frank. And I knew some of the other people in my neighborhood. But somehow, 32 years later, we're just really busy. But if we would realize that God actually divinely put us where we're at, put us at the jobs where we're at, gave us the people around us, to start to see that, hey, maybe God is doing something through us and the lives of the people around us the lives of the people that we work for or maybe the ones that work for us or the ones that we work with. The parents of our, of our kids' friends, that God put us here to do something, but we've got to create space so that we can have time to develop relationships and deepen relationships. Think about the neighbors in your past who have made an impact in your life. I mean, how did you ever get to Community Heights? Or how did you ever come to Christ? I mean, were, were, they, were there neighbors or friends? or family members? Maybe you just were looking for a church and you just showed up here. Are there people here that have become a neighbor to you within the congregation? Are there people here that you have pulled up alongside of? Said, hey, how you doing? Hey, my name's Jeff, what's your name? That's my favorite line is, hi, I'm Jeff, who are you? I don't know, that's just the line I use because it's easy, I don't have to think about it. Some people think it's rude. So I just take that chance. I just say, who are you? Are there people here that you've become a neighbor to? Because this extends, extends even to the people who you attend church with. Creating space in our lives to build relationships with those who live near us must become a priority. It really has to be a priority. I mean, if we're gonna love our neighbor as ourself, we have to create the opportunity to do that. And that goes against our culture of private, individual, I have previous commitments. 
I have to protect my schedule and my time. I just need to, I just need, just give me space. Give me space. Stay away. It goes against our culture because we're so busy. We've got to think about what do we have to do to actually have space to develop relationships. There's a story in, uh, in fact, it's in Luke chapter 10. And in Luke chapter 10 is where we were last week when we looked at that uh, Good Samaritan story. And the story that comes right on the heels of that, in fact, Luke chapter 10, verse 37, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. Now the very next verse talks to us about priorities. The next little section, beginning in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So we don't know much about Martha. Was she a woman of means? Did she have a husband? She had a home. Had she heard about Jesus? That she would just like open her home and let Jesus come in and start meeting with people or visiting the people that frequented her house? Maybe the people that worked for her, maybe her staff, maybe her extended family. But Martha opened her home to Jesus and then it says that she had a sister called Mary. Did Mary live with her? We don't know. Maybe just around the corner, down the block. Mary was there and it says that Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, deep Bible scholars will say, they'll read this and they'll say, ah, 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 Mary, you shouldn't be doing that. Your place is not sitting at the feet as though you were a disciple of the teacher, a disciple of the rabbi. That's for the men. The men sit and talk and discuss lofty things. The women are off to do their own thing. They're off to take care of the home or to tend to the children or to serve the men in that patriarchal society. And so they look at Mary being there and they think that's kind of countercultural. That's a little bit odd. She sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She was staying in her cultural lane. This is what she'd always done. This is what was expected of her. She was going to make sure. Now, was she cooking or was she overseeing the cooking? Was she cleaning and setting things up or was she directing the servants to do that? We don't know, but she was busy about managing the affairs of the home. She came to Jesus and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. I mean, can you imagine telling Jesus what's to say? You know, here, Jesus, I got an idea for you. Why don't you tell my lazy sister to get up off her blessed assurance and give me some help, right? And, and Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, <laughs> like, Martha, wake up. Like, what are you doing? You're telling me what to do. You are worried and upset about many things. You know, often in our lives, the thing that's the problem really isn't the problem. The reason why you blew up at that person last week it really probably isn't the problem. It's, it's what happened the day before and the week before and the month before. And these things, they kind of, they kind of uh, build and build and then everything explodes. 
You're worried and upset about many things. It's not really Mary's fault that you're like telling me what to do. But few things are needed, Martha, few things. Or indeed only one. Then look what it says. Mary has chosen. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Wow. But what she chose was against the culture. What she chose was ticking off her sister to the point where her sister goes to the guest, the house, the rabbi, the guy that she invited in because apparently Mary's not gonna listen to her. When has that ever happened before where a sister wouldn't listen to and probably the older sister because the older sister is all about, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's, and the younger sister is all about relationships, relationships and how she feels, right? That's what was going on here. But, but look, what, look what it says about Mary. I want you to see these words. Mary has chosen. Mary has chosen. She had free will to do as she pleased, and she made a choice. Even though it went against the culture, she decided she would make a choice. And then look, look, look what it says. Mary has chosen what is better. Mary has chosen what is better. So here we are, knowing that Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. We might even get, we might even get our card and write our neighbors on our card and stick it to our little, uh, our little uh, clothesline clip magnet on the refrigerator but we're over here not really doing much about it because we've got too much time. Because we've got to do this, and we've got to do that, and we've got to do this. And all these things are part of our culture, and they've seeped their way into becoming like must-dos as part of our lives. But Jesus says, you know what? Just love your neighbor. All the law and the prophets hang on you loving God and your neighbor. Not loving God and your neighbor See the difference? But loving God and your neighbor because the second is like unto it, King James. The second is the same. In fact, the disciples go on to write in their letters, they say, the way we know that you love God is if you do love your neighbor. And if you don't love your neighbor, don't even talk about loving God because you don't love God. Because those who love God love their neighbors. So if you want to love God more, and if I want to love God more, and I'm really being convicted through this because I stand here as a partial hypocrite to what I'm teaching, but as the first in line as a learner to what I'm teaching, that I have got to love my neighbor. But if I want to love God more, I just got to love my neighbors. Because John teaches in his writings that the way to love God is to love your neighbor. Paul teaches in his writings, the way to love God is to love your neighbor. That's how you love God. And don't say you love God if you don't love your neighbor. So the, the way I'm gonna love God more is to love my neighbor more. And the way I'm gonna love God better is to love my neighbors better. And the first way is gonna be figuring out what in the world their name is. <laughs> I got a bunch of names mixed up in the first service. I, it's been a busy weekend. I don't know. I could, names that I already, names that I know that I just got mixed up. 
But the first step in loving your neighbor is learning your name. That's why this card we gave out last week is so important. If you don't have one, there might be some on the tables. If there's not, there'll be more next week because you need one of these cards because they'll remind you about that. So to, to look at a, a slide we looked at last week, we can only do a few things really well. So let's make sure that one of them is the, mo- is the thing that Jesus said matters most, love your neighbor. The story of these two sisters teaches us that we'll need to live a, a counter-cultural life to experience the life that Jesus wants us to live. We've got to say no to good things. We hear this all the time, right? If, you, if you've listened to one leadership podcast episode, you've heard this. You've got to say no to the good to make room for the great. But here, let's just, let's just uh, apply it just to this one thing where Jesus says, love God and love your neighbor And the way we know you love God is if you love your neighbor. So let's focus on loving our neighbor because that will teach us how to love God and let's get rid of all the other things in our lives that are standing in the way. And once we start doing this, then we can line up all the other things behind it. So there's the card up on the screen. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? That's you in the middle with your eight neighbors on either side. And what what to do with your neighbor card? You write down the first and last names of your eight closest neighbors and you speak to them using their name. Like, hi, John. <laughs> now, unlike not what I did this morning. Good morning, how are you? Mm. Hey, Captain, what's up? You know, hey, big guy. We've got to remember, and so we've got to use, in fact, right now there's a person in this room who I did not approach this morning because I could not and I, I should remember their name. We've talked about it, we've gone over it and over it and they know who they are and I'm, I'm not gonna look at them because they know who they are. But they're in this room this morning and I've forgotten their name. So when we write them down, so what I've been doing is I've been taking the cards that you fill out and I go through them and I save the ones whose names I'm a little bit um, fuzzy on. And so I, kinda, I try to go through them through the week but I, I'm still working on that. So, last slide. As a church family, let's get to know and love our literal neighbors. The ones that we could walk over and knock on the door and pinch their arms if we had to. Our literal neighbors. Let's get to know and love them, not our Facebook friends, not our Instagram followers, right? We don't need more likes or follows or hearts or wows. We don't need any more of that. We need relationships with our neighbors because programs are not as important as relationships. Relationships. That's how we'll change our community. And you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be the perfect neighbor to make a difference in the life of your neighbor. You don't have to be perfect because you won't be. In fact, it was 12 years after we moved to Avon And Bill started picking me up. Bill and Carol started picking me up and taking me to youth group. It was 12 years later. I was married by then. And my wife and I were back in town visiting our family. And we went to church that Sunday. And so I was downstairs in in the lower part of the church waiting to talk with Bill. Because the word was out that he was leaving his wife for another woman. It was a woman who had attended our church, but her husband never came. And of course, we prayed for her husband to come, but did anybody ever go out actually see her husband or build a relationship with him? No, 
not at all. And that, there's something messed up about that, by the way. And instead, this guy's sending his wife to church where she's saying she loves God, and what ultimately happens is there's a guy at church trying to take her away from him. So I'm waiting, and I'll never forget, we walked into the principal's office, they had a Christian school there, and I closed the door behind me, and he was like, uh, hey, good to see you, and I, I'm like, Bill, what, what's this, what are you doing? And he told me, yeah, you know, me and this woman, you know, we've got this relationship. I'm like, you know, and at, and at, at 20, whatever, 24, you see things a little more black and white, right? At 24, like really black, I'm like, you can't do this. Like, like I was gonna sit on him. Like, you just, you can't do this. And he said to me, well, Jeff, I've been married for 25 years, and I, I don't, I'm not gonna go through the next 25 years like I went through the last 25 years. It, it, we, it can't work, and I found somebody. We won't, we're gonna serve the Lord together. Like, wow. And he said, we're going to do it. And after we get married, we're gonna claim 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he was claiming that ahead of time. Before he left his wife, before they got married. And I walked out, and I remember, we hugged and we cried. And I left. I think it's the last time I ever saw him because he stopped going to the church and we've never bumped into each other and he lives in Florida, I think with the same woman and he had four kids and you know what? Every one of those kids got divorced. Every one of them got married and divorced one more than once. Why? Because mom and dad did. But you know what? That guy and, and his first wife, they saved my life. They picked me up and took me to church. God used them to shape my life. God used them as a bridge over some troubled waters in my growing up years. We, we don't have to be perfect for God to use us. If, if people had to wait for the perfect neighbor for God to speak to them and work in their lives, they're, they're done because there aren't any. So I want to challenge you to be the neighbor that God wants to use in the life of your neighbor because God does want to use you. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for Mary, who would sit at your feet and listen to your teaching. Thank you for that story of, of Martha and just, just how she was trying to be responsible. And we try to be responsible. And we end up just kind of aligning ourselves with our culture. And so often it's just not, it's not your will. It, it's, it's culturally correct. But biblically, it's, it's way off. So, Lord, help us. Help us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And help us to start not with somebody in El Salvador or in Mali or in Chicago or, or, or St. Louis, but, God, help us to start just across the street, just next door, just behind our backyard. And help us to make a difference in the life of somebody, not because we're so good or we're professionals at it, but just because we would rearrange our schedules and take the time to care. Lord Jesus, would you help us in this? We need your help. Holy Spirit, would you use us right where we are? You've planned for us to live there this year, this time, with these neighbors. 
would you use us in the lives of others? And God, I pray that Community Heights, the family of believers here, would make a huge difference all across Newton and the surrounding area. Start with us, God, and use us. And Lord, if there's someone here who's never given their life to you, I pray, God, that they would understand the work of the cross, Jesus' death for their sins, for all of our sins, and that placing our faith in him is our only way to a relationship with you. Holy Spirit, would you speak to all of our hearts and do the work that you would please to do. In Jesus' name, amen.